Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire and welcome to Master Leadership. Great leaders ask great questions and this podcast takes you on a journey to master leadership with questions that matter to leaders who matter with your host, Lily Sinabria. Hi, this is Lily, and welcome to Master Leadership Through Crisis series, where we will connect with leaders worldwide to gain insights on important questions to help us navigate through rough waters. If you would like to participate as a guest, or if you have a question that you would like to ask a guest, go to masterleadership.org for more information. Nicknamed Miss Question by her business school classmates, Leslie Zane's endless intellectual curiosity fueled her search for the elusive key to changing customer behavior. She began her journey at blue chip companies where she found that the success of marketing initiatives was remarkably hit or miss. She felt strongly that branding should be more than just pretty pictures and clever ad campaigns. If it doesn't build sales, why do it? So she struck out on her own and founded Triggers, the first woman-owned brand consultancy with the express mission of increasing top-line revenue for her clients consistently. Over the past 25 years, the company has developed a track record of accelerating growth through its unique expertise in changing brand preference at the instinctual level. Leslie received her BA from Yale University and her MBA from Harvard Business School. A TEDx speaker, she has published in the Harvard Business Review, Knowledge at Wharton, MIT Sloan Review, Forbes, Ad Age, CMO.com, Barron's, and her recent perspective on driving business growth through COVID were recently published in Newsweek. Leslie is also applying her knowledge about instincts to help companies understand the roots of bias. It's a busy schedule, transforming brands, changing the world, and spending time with her husband and her two sons. Just don't ask her to explain their brains. Despite a lifetime of studying minds, theirs remains a mystery to her. Our interview will begin right after messages from our sponsors. Substance misuse is up 13% since COVID-19. Amy Guerrero, recovery coach, conscious sober human, and founder of Thrive in Recovery, supports people in recovery to discover the root cause of what keeps them stuck in coping mechanisms that are no longer working. Amy's trauma-trained approaches help recovering people find success and create healthy relationships. If you or your family are struggling with emotional trauma and forgiveness, Amy and Thrive in Recovery have proven methods to support you. Go to thriveinrecoverywithamy.com and get started on this important journey. Welcome, Leslie Zane. How are you? I'm fine, Lily. So nice to meet you and spend some time with you this morning. Thanks for having me. Well, we're so happy to have you on our podcast. Are you ready to pour into our listeners? Absolutely. Great. So Leslie, tell us a bit about your path to leadership and what you're doing now. 
I started my career as a consultant at Bain & Company, which is a major management consulting firm. And it was a great place to start because they teach you there to just try to make things better. You get this lens where you're always trying to improve things. And that fit with my personality. So it was a great first job out of college. And then from there, I worked in many different marketing organizations, brand management inside top companies like Johnson & Johnson and Procter and & Gamble. And I learned a ton there, but my views were always different from everybody else's. <laughs> and when you're young and you have different points of view, it's not so easy. When you're older and you're the boss, it's not a problem at all. <laughs> mm -hmm, right. But when you're junior and you have different perspectives, that's hard. And so I spent about 10 or 12 years inside those major brand management corporations. But I finally, in 1995, left to go do my own thing and take those ideas. And it turns out that people didn't listen to me all that much when I was inside the corporation. But when I became a consultant, finally they did. Mm -hmm. uh, which is a very interesting dynamic. And what are you doing now? I've had the same company for 25 years. I am president and CEO of Trigger's Growth Strategy. We're a brand consulting firm that helps businesses get consistent top line growth every single time they do a marketing initiative. And our expertise is understanding how people make instinctive decisions and influencing those helping a company get people to move from brand A to brand B to their brand or to grow their category, to penetrate new users. That's what we do, mainly for Fortune 100 companies and some smaller companies too. I love the name. I use that word a lot. Why that name? I'm so glad you asked because we have been using that term for 25 years and now it's become kind of part of the vernacular, but the truth is that we were the first company to use the term triggers in business in 1995, and we have a very particular definition for it. For us, a trigger means that it is a code or cue that's very succinct, but is packed with positive associations. So an example would be a snow-capped mountain in the bottled water category. That's a trigger. And it's a trigger because when you, you look at that snow-capped mountain, even it's just a small half-inch cue on a bottle, you know exactly what that means. It means pure and fresh and cold and eco-friendly and natural and fresh and clean. And everybody has the same convergent associations about that term. And so what triggers do is they connect with our subconscious mind as opposed to our conscious mind and they make it light up. And that's the birth of triggers, these very powerful codes and cues that have the ability to connect with people at a subconscious level and change minds. Typically, when I think of triggers, I know that it speaks to our subconscious mind, but typically we associate it to a negative thing, but I don't really believe that because I think it's a trigger to growth. It shows us the areas where we need to grow. And I think it's smart that you grab that and you use that for branding. Now, where can we connect with you? You can connect with me at my LinkedIn profile, Leslie Zane, Z-A-N-E. You can also contact me at info at triggers.com and my website, triggers.com. And there's soon going to be a lesliezane.com. You're still evolving, Leslie. That's wonderful. Always. Every day, every day. 
I love that. Thank you so much for that. Now, at the time of this interview, we're hopefully at the tail end of the COVID-19 pandemic, and we're experiencing other unrest in the U.S. How has this affected you, your organization, your family? Well, I was an empty nester, and now I'm no longer an empty nester. So I guess that's the silver lining of COVID for a lot of people, that they have more time with their families. And that's certainly very meaningful to me. Although there's a part of me that realizes that there's something that's not quite right about this. Mm -hmm. You know, it's lovely that I have my older sons, you know, my boys who are in their 20s back in the house, but I know that's not how it should be. They should be pursuing their own lives. We've actually done a lot of work around COVID as an organization, as a company, and I do think I can share some things that could be helpful to the listeners. So, you know, whether you're COVID negative or you're COVID positive, everybody has been affected by this virus. And it turns out that in our subconscious, we have a matrix of associations that dictates our choices, our decisions, everything that we do. We have a matrix for everything. We call it actually in our work, the brand connectome. But there is a connectome for everything. There's a connectome for COVID. There's a connectome for the president of the United States. There's a connectome for racism. There's a connectome for Joe Biden. So it turns out that these matrices, they influence us and they dictate our choices and our instincts so that we're on autopilot. We're not even aware that these matrices exist. And it turns out that the COVID connectome is very large and is sort of overtaking our brains right now. And these matrices, they sort of look like trees. They start as a small sapling and they grow and grow and grow and blossom into a full-grown tree if you add more associations to them. So to the extent that COVID is one of the most you know, significant, probably the biggest behavior change in you know, modern human history, we have this very significant large matrix of associations around COVID. And if you go into that connectome and you look at what's inside there, you can actually see where we're headed in the future. So shall I tell you a little bit more about that? Absolutely. And I know that you know this because you study the brain. That's what we do. We're all about brain science, and that's how we make our recommendations to our clients about what they should do for their brands. But obviously during COVID, we wanted to help them understand how do we move forward? Mm -hmm. And all the data that companies were getting about COVID was very static. It was telling them a sort of a snapshot of what has happened to this point, but it didn't help them figure out how to move forward. So by going into the subconscious brain, the subconscious brain, because it is underneath and it is the very deep instincts that people have, that actually is much more predictive in nature of where we're going to go. And what the COVID connectome has, it's almost like a tree that branches off into two different clusters, two large clusters. One part of the COVID connectome is all about preserving and it's driven by our human instinct for survival. And so that's why we're going inside and pulling the covers over our heads and protecting ourselves and our families and doing all these things that are very inward and somewhat static. But the good news is that there's a whole other cluster of the COVID connectome that's related to persevering. And that is driven by the human desire and need to make progress, to move forward to achieve. And the reason that the consumer confidence index 
is in the basement right now, and I think it's at a six or a seven year low, is that the preserving part of the connectome is dominating the persevering part of the connectome. It's larger, it's more dominant, it has more associations. That is why we are in a recession right now. But you can see that if we could just add more associations to the persevering part of the connectome, then that part would become more dominant because we have neuroplasticity and we're always learning and we're always adding new things and the brain is changing every minute. If that part of the connectome would become larger than the preserving part, we will be in a recovery. And that's the moment that we will be in a recovery when the persevering part is larger than the preserving part. That's so interesting to me. And so I'm curious, what are some things that we can do right now to shift from the preserving part to the persevering part? That's such a great question. So there are many things that we can do. Every single company, every single organization, what we need to do is make people feel safe and protected so that the preserving part of the connectome is satisfied because what is fueling that is mistrust. You know, mistrust about companies, governments, all of that. First, we were told to wear masks, then we were told not to wear masks. And people, I think, are coming to the conclusion that the only person they can trust is themselves. But trust is a major thing. We need to make people feel safe and protected. Companies and organizations need to overdo the safety, uh, make people feel like the company did more than they could possibly have imagined. So if you go on a plane, the consumer perception when you walk off should be like, wow, they really did everything that they could and I feel super safe because that's going to make people keep coming back. So that's one thing you can do. And then the other thing to do is to inspire people to move forward. We don't need to be stuck at this time. We can make progress. We can still buy things. We can still buy clothing and buy cosmetics. And the more associations that we build on the persevering side to make people feel inspired to make progress in their lives, the more that part of the connectome will grow collectively. The pillars of leadership, no matter what, whether you're in crisis or not, is to add value to others, to help people they lead to feel safe and protected, and to inspire to grow. That's even more important now. I really appreciate those nuggets of wisdom. All right, so Leslie, what quotes or advice has helped you most during crisis? When I think about leadership, I think about a quote that Peter Drucker said, which is, management is doing things right, leadership is doing the right thing. And I think the leaders that really live their lives this way, not worrying so much about what people want to hear, but really doing the right thing, I think those are the leaders that succeed. And I think those are the people that succeed. In my life as a consultant, sometimes it's hard because you're working with an organization that may not want to face certain realities about their company. But I've always had the attitude that I need to be authentic to myself. And if they feel comfortable about everything that I'm telling them, I'm probably not being very helpful. So I really do take to the attitude that I have to be honest and tell them what I think is gonna really be best for their company, what the consumer really feels, and help them move forward by challenging them in many ways. Hey leaders, stay tuned for the rest of the interview following this brief message. So ask yourself, 
How's my relationship with money? Is it kind and nurturing, free of conflict, or is every day an epic battle? It may be hard to imagine there's a better way to manage your finances. It's actually easier to bury your head in the quicksand and hope it will never go away. It won't. If you're ready for a change, check out this book by Henry Doss, FQ, Financial Intelligence. Now you can buy it on Amazon. Instead, how about a quick money lesson? Get it free at bookbaby.dasknowledge.com. That's bookbaby.dasknowledge.com. If you like what you see, check out his course at dasfq.com where you can learn it all from a master. Podcast listeners can sign up for one free month of coaching at podcast.dasknowledge.com. You didn't speak about this, but it's certainly in your message how important it is to listen. And you spoke about trust. So kind of drill down a little bit more on those two very important things about leadership. How do you use that in your own life, in your own leadership? I spend a lot of time with my people, making them feel that they know what they're doing. I don't overmanage them. They're really on their own. I think you have to be fueled by some passion to be effective as a leader And in our work, we all very much share the same lens, which is that there's a better way to do marketing. And we want to bring that to our clients. And I think that passion is really what makes them very good at their jobs and also just feel very good about the work that they do. So my attitude about leadership is really empowering people to be their best selves and to let them loose, sort of give them everything that I know, but then let them go off. And, you know, I'm a huge developer of people and of women in particular. And so that's what I'm all about is helping them lead very fulfilled lives. And it's pretty clear that you're a developer of yourself as well. And many use that term lifelong learner. What does that mean to you? And what are you learning right now? So for me, being a lifelong learner is not necessarily picking up Russian or learning how to, you know, hang glide. Um, Although those are two really good things. They are. And I'll tell you separately, my mother, who is all by herself at this time, she has kept herself going by doing just that. I mentioned Russian because she's learning Russian, Um, you know, and she's learned how to do Zoom and she's learned how to fix the electric toothbrush by herself and fix her faucet. And she's amazing. So talk about perseverance. But for me, lifelong learning is about continuous improvement. And I think that I'm dedicated to make myself better in every way, a better mom, a better wife, a better president of my company, a better daughter. I don't think I'll ever succeed and, you know, be the perfect person I'd love to be, I think, because we're all flawed as human beings. But I do think that that is the continuing journey of life, trying to improve ourselves and be a better listener, as you say, figure out how to get people to do the right things in business, but still making them feel good about their work. It's a continuing journey. Everything is, right? (laughs) Yeah. And you know, I read in your bio that your business school classmates nicknamed you Miss Questions. I love that because it says that you're curious. I am curious. So I went to Harvard Business School And we are talking about a classroom of 90 people set up in a stadium style. So it's a semicircle 
and the rows keep going up to what they call the sky deck, the highest rung. Nosebleed. Uh, the nosebleed section, which is where I would sit because I would always be late and be coming in from the back door, then grab my seat. And when a professor explained something that I you know, wasn't quite understanding, I literally would be the only person who would raise her hand and ask. I don't think anybody else had the nerve to because first of all, it's hard to speak in front of 90 people. And secondly, you know, you want to seem like you know it. But invariably, a few people would come to me after class saying, boy, am I glad you asked that question because I didn't get it either. So I've always been like that. I've always asked questions and I've never been shy about it because I figure if I have the question, probably a lot of other people do too. So Leslie, I know that you wrote an article as well. Tell us about that. Yeah, I've written several articles, but one of the recent ones was in Harvard Business Review, and it's called, If You Want to Sell Your Ideas, Think Like a Marketer. When you think about leadership, you know, it's all about selling your ideas. And it can be hard to sell your ideas because everybody has a different lens. But what you want to do is you want to create consensus in an organization as rapidly as possible. The way to do that is to build positive associations around your ideas with each person separately, all of the key constituencies, all the key leaders. Do that beforehand and little by little, your idea will grow in the same way an idea grows in the marketplace and reaches a tipping point, so too it can happen in an organization. So I think that that's just kind of a helpful way to think about it, that you really are a marketer, a leader. You've got to market your ideas. And we can get that article on your website as well? Yes, it's available on my website. Perfect. Thank you so much for sharing that. Now, Leslie, when you think of leadership today, what most concerns you and what are you most hopeful about? I think in general, in my work, the thing that scares me most or worries me most is that people are often afraid to lose their jobs. And so they don't always make the moves that they should be making to improve things. So there's a lot of reluctance. There's a lot of second guessing. What will the boss like? What will the CEO like? Am I doing something that you know somebody will have a problem with? So that's always what has concerned me. I think in some ways, the whole COVID thing has been good for leadership because some companies really did need to reinvent themselves completely, you know, like the airlines, like insurance companies. There are a lot of companies that had brand issues and perception problems. And I think this is the time when we're kind of like at a ground zero and these companies are facing up to the fact that they have to change. And so they're gonna be forced by COVID to do some pretty radical things to improve customer service, and improve their brands and stay relevant. So I think that's a good thing. And I'm hopeful that we as leaders and at these companies and everywhere in government too, are going to make the right moves and do the right things and not be so fearful of what people might say. So one of the things that I know that a lot of leaders are talking about, and especially in the space of education, is the racism and unconscious bias that permeates through our system. Can you speak to that? Yes. So it turns out that the same way that brand associations form in the subconscious, racism forms the same way. So as we were doing our work over the past 25 years, and we saw that what builds up in people's subconscious is that associations get glued to a brand 
The same thing actually happens in terms of racism. So negative associations get sort of glued to the thought of a particular race. And I believe that part of the reason we haven't been making progress as a society as rapidly as we should be in terms of racism is that we keep approaching it top down. We keep telling people, don't be a racist. Uh, we keep putting in policies and changes to change systemic racism, and we definitely need to do that. But what we're not doing is addressing racism at the source. And racism is something that accumulates over time, probably in some cases since childhood. And the only way I think we're really going to make progress as a society is to get to the heart of it and understand what those associations are in the subconscious and start changing them in the same way that you do branding. In the same way that you change brand perceptions, you can change perceptions of African-Americans or women in the workplace, anti-Semitism, you know, all of these kinds of antis that are on the rise, actually, many going in the wrong direction. We can address them, but only if we get to the source. I believe that the source is our heart, is our subconscious mind. So then we have to be intentional about working on ourselves, which is probably the hardest thing to do. We would need help with that. We have blind spots. I did a podcast called The Plank in My Eye, and I spoke very candidly about racism in my own heart and how it appeared. And it was shocking because I didn't know. It's deep rooted. And so for me, it means that we have to look at ourselves individually and look to change those things in our own hearts so that we can help others. We keep looking outward and pointing fingers. As a leader, I've got to walk the talk. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I think that, you know, some of the workshops out there, you know, in the corporate world, are still approaching this top down. And you're right, you need to really delve deep into people's memories, going very, very deep down and way back to understand the source of these impressions that we carry with us. And obviously this is very widespread and needs to be done everywhere from teachers to the police so that we can actually make some progress. Well, thank you so much. Now, you have an option here. You can either answer a question from a former guest or you can share a struggle, a failure, a challenge that you've learned from. I'll tell you a story that I think the listeners will find interesting. And I think it has some value because maybe they've experienced something like this themselves. So when I was a young brand manager working at a top baby care company, I came in and I saw that they had never done an ad with a father and a baby. They only still had white, Caucasian, blonde, blue-eyed mothers and babies, and you know, only moms. And I saw that baby care was changing and that fathers were becoming more involved and I wanted the brand to be more relevant. And so I suggested that they put the first father in a baby care ad. Well, let me just tell you, this is going on quite a while back, but this was a very revolutionary idea. Go. <laughs> Go, Leslie. <laughs> it was revolutionary and it was not met with positivity at all. Actually, it showed up in my performance review that Leslie is too passionate about putting fathers in advertising. Oh, wow. And this was like a 
dagger in my heart because they said that it was an executional concern as opposed to a strategic one. And, you know, I spent my life in consulting firms and in strategic planning. And so this was like the biggest criticism you could possibly tell me was that I wasn't strategic. So I realized that I really was up against some very big barriers. And I spent about, you know, a year advocating for this and showing research and showing data and trying to get people to understand it. And finally, they did put the first father in a baby care ad. And guess what happened? Tell me. It was the highest scoring commercial in the company's history and sales took off. And, you know, I think the lesson there is that you really have to stick to your guns and you know, I think I've learned a lot since then about how to create, you know, influence in an organization and get your ideas through. So I've gotten better at that over time. But I think it's important to hold on to those beliefs that you have and those instincts, um, because that's how we make progress. Thank you so much for sharing that. It lands for me as a female leader, because I've had to many times defend where I'm coming from and my thought process to deliver an idea or thought. And so I appreciate that. And I'm so proud of what you did. Thank Um, you. So great. All right. So Leslie, as a listener of this podcast, what is a question that you would like a future leadership guest to respond to? Question I would ask is if you're a company or an organization that doesn't have a lot of resources what can you do to keep people motivated? I think a lot of companies are in that situation. Great question. So Leslie, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? So one of the things that I think would be useful for your listeners to know is that really anybody can create a new brand or a new business, uh, particularly at this time because during COVID and during times of great volatility, people are very open to new brand relationships. And what I would like everyone to understand is that if you try to persuade somebody that you're the best at something, or if you try to approach their conscious mind with superlative claims, that's not gonna really work. What you wanna do is gain the subconscious advantage. And that means building lots of positive associations about your brand in their more primal brain. And that can be symbols and images and metaphors and all different kinds of messages that are really positive. And those will little by little get glued to your brand and enable your brand to branch out in their minds. So there's really two approaches to building brands. One, your brand has to have the largest footprint in their mind because then your brand becomes the go-to, the instinctive choice. And two, you have to have the highest ratio of positive to negative associations. So the more positive associations, the better. Positive associations are like soil and water for plants. It makes that brand connectome grow from a sapling into a full-grown tree. So anybody really can create a new brand today, create a new business, but that's how you do it. You want to gain the subconscious advantage. You are full of wisdom and so much information. So I know that our listeners would want to connect with you. So give us one more time where we can do that. Yeah, they can contact me at triggers.com or on my LinkedIn profile. 
Leslie Zane at Triggers. I love meeting new people. I love helping people. So, you know, absolutely feel free to contact me. I'd be more than happy to have a chat. Leslie, I want to thank you so much for adding value to me and to our listeners. My pleasure. Thank you, Lily, for all that you do as a lifelong educator. You asked me about lifelong learning, but you're the lifelong educator and we need more people like you. That's for sure. Which means we're always learning, right? Absolutely. Have a great day. Thanks so much for having me. In closing, here's a quick message. Coaching is the art of influence that underpins leadership in the 21st century. It is the very thing that can get you from being stuck to being extraordinary. So go to masterleadership.org and sign up to get a free coaching session. Until next time, continue to ignite that leader in you.